This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Very good to see all of you here today. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that as we look at this difficult topic about our treasures on earth and our treasures in heaven, that you'll give us our eyes and hearts which are willing to submit to your word and that you'll shape uh, the way that we treat our priorities and our lives. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, when you think about church, uh, for those of you who've been church for a while, I wonder whether you've ever seen anything distressing ever happen at church. You know, like some incident happens and it kind of like sticks in your mind. So I remember when I was a young Christian many, many, many years ago, uh, I used to go to this church in the university. It's called the University Church. And the pastor was preaching. You know, he was uh, there were a lot of overseas students among us. It was in a big lecture hall. And I could see the person in front of me, a couple of rows, getting really agitated. They were getting more and more agitated. You could just sort of see by their body language. They were being, being really uncomfortable listening to what the pastor was saying. So after about halfway through the sermon, this person, imagine here, pops up from their seat, goes out of the, the, the lecture theater. Imagine he rushes out the door, the sunlight all comes in, in a big huff. And uh, it was clear to everybody that he was really unhappy with whatever the pastor had to say. And uh, the associate pastor sort of ran off after him to see what was the problem. So what was the pastor preaching about that caused this person to be so agitated? Uh, was it about sex? Right? Was it about idolatry? Was it about, you know, whatever? Well, it was about today's topic, money. Right? And I think that as we talk about money, it really has the possibility and the probability of making us uncomfortable. In fact, as I studied this passage, I felt uncomfortable myself. And I hope that as you listen to the sermon, as we go through this passage, it will make you feel uncomfortable. And not because, you know, I want to make you feel uncomfortable or, you know, I derive great joy in making people feel uncomfortable, but because Jesus, I think, wants us to be uncomfortable as we study this passage. So as we come to today's passage, it comes in chapter 7 as part of a series of what Jesus has been teaching. So right at the very beginning, uh, we already saw that the identity of Jesus was that he was Christ, the King. He was God, he was divine in and of himself. He was Emmanuel, God's son. He was the savior. And he came bringing the kingdom of heaven. And the only way to come into the kingdom of heaven was to come through Jesus, who was the savior, who was the king, who was God in himself. But the problem was, as we came to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was saying that it's not so easy to be a disciple of Jesus. It's not so easy to be a kingdom person. Because to be a kingdom person required you, according to Jesus, according to God, to have various qualities, difficult qualities, to be poor in spirit, to recognize your own spiritual poverty, to be merciful, to be pure in heart, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be willing to be persecuted for your faith, to, as we saw last week, to not be angry and to hate, uh, to love your enemies, 
to forgive your enemies, to speak the truth, to not indulge in sex, immorality, lust, and divorce. Now, these are all hard teachings, right? And if we remember last week, Jesus, in part of his teaching, was that our righteousness as disciples of Jesus had to surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And part of Jesus' reasoning and logic was that if you did your acts of righteousness before men and got your reward from men, then God, who is unseen, would not give you his reward. Now, as Jesus continues in the Sermon on the Mount, the question then is, if you compare the two rewards, if you look up here, the earthly reward and the heavenly reward, what is it worth? Right? Is the reward from men compared to the reward from the Father in heaven? How do you measure the two? How do you weigh the two? And this is what today's passage is all about. Looking at the two rewards, is it worth being a kingdom person? Is it worth being a disciple of Jesus Christ? So it begins in verse 19, where Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here Jesus addresses this question head on. And he says, the earthly treasures, what is their value? Well, for the earthly treasures, by their very nature, they are temporary. They are short-term. right? So the metaphors that he uses are the idea of where things rust, things are destroyed, things are stolen, things do not last in this earth. Whereas treasures in heaven, they are eternal because they are the very opposite. Because for the treasures in heaven, they do not rust and they do not corrupt and they are not stolen. So Jesus' basic point is very, very basic. Right? If one is eternal and one is temporary, then choose the eternal, choose the treasures in heaven. So I remember reading this book about uh, um, how old the, the world is compared to the universe. Right. So if you look at this picture, apparently the age of the universe is 140000 billion years, right? And the earth itself is only 100 billion years. So, I mean, anybody who knows maths or just looking at these numbers, you can tell, hey, look, the, the, the length of time that the, that the universe has been in existence is obviously a lot longer than the earth. Uh, now, in the same way, what about the treasures on earth compared to the treasures in heaven? Well, it's, it's even more drastic, right? Because obviously, life in heaven is eternal. And we only live at the maximum 100 years. Anybody here going to live more than 100 years? Probably not. So Jesus' point is very clear. Which is more valuable? The treasures in heaven. The treasures in heaven last for eternity, whereas the treasures in earth are temporary 
and short term. So Jesus goes on in verse 21 to say, look, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So because treasure on this earth is so temporary, set your heart on the treasures in heaven, the eternal treasures. Now, what does it mean where your heart is? Right? I mean, obviously there are a few images that Jesus uses and the first one that he uses is the image of heart. Heart is the idea of your goals, your direction, your orientation. You know, like you said, I've set my heart on marrying this girl. I've set my heart on getting this degree. I've set my heart on having this career. You know, it's, it's the way that you orientate your life. And Jesus says that where your possessions are will determine where you, your heart is, where you set your heart. And this passage is basically saying, do you set your heart on the kingdom things? The things that Jesus has been speaking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you set your heart on being merciful, on hallowing God's name, on seeing God's kingdom, not just in heaven but on earth? Do you set your heart on loving your enemy? Do you set your heart on forgiving those who have done wrong on us? Or do you set your heart instead on all the earthly things? Because this earthly treasure, he says, if you set your heart on these things, on these possessions, then ultimately you're not going to actually get what is really valuable. Now, the reason that Jesus goes on to talk like this is because just as in those days, we live in a world where the world is consistently telling you that the treasures of this earth are the most important thing. But the question that Jesus is really addressing is, what is it really worth? What is the value of the treasures of this earth compared to the treasures of heaven? So I was reading this book. Uh, actually, I was, I was listening to this radio program. This author was on, so he, he, he they were reviewing this book. So I, I thought, okay, I'll borrow it from the library. It's called Dollars and Cents. And um, in this book, he has this really interesting true story. Actually, the book is full of interesting true stories about this guy, uh, one of the chapters, uh, the next guy, called... Uh, it's a famous jeweler, right? And uh, this guy. And his name is Salvador Essel. So he sells all sorts of jewelry. So he finds that in Tahiti, they've got all these black pearls. Okay, I, I don't know much about pearls because I don't own pearls myself. Problem was, nobody wanted these black pearls. right? You, the, the value of the oyster was worth more than the black pearl. So this guy had all these black pearls, and he thought, okay, I need to sell these black pearls, but nobody wants to buy it. How do I sell these black pearls? So what he did was, he got these black pearls, and he went to his good friend, this guy called Harry Winston. I also don't know who Harry Winston is. Maybe some of you know who Harry Winston is. But anyway, apparently there's a Harry Winston shop in Iron Orchard. So they must be somebody, okay? So he asked his good friend, Harry Winston, to take these black pearls and put it on all his displays together with all the expensive jewelry. Within a year, 
This is in America and, uh, and this is in New York, right? Uh, the price of these black pearls, which nobody wanted, you couldn't give it away, went up in price because people associated these black pearls with all the jewelry. And today, uh, next slide, each of these black pearls can cost up to $25,000. Now, when you think of it, actually, these black pearls were worthless. Right? Nobody wanted these black pearls. You couldn't give it away. Nobody would just, what are these black pearls? But through marketing, promotion, and advertising, these black pearls now are valuable. People want these black pearls. But in the same way, right, what Jesus is really saying is, what is the treasures on earth really like? Is it really valuable? And I don't buy black pearls, and I don't buy pearls, so I'm not saying anything about pearls in themselves. But you can see, right, what are, what are the treasures on earth really worth? What is its value? when you compare it to the treasures in, on, in heaven. If you really understand what is on view, then you'd say it is worth being a kingdom person. It is worth being a disciple of Jesus because the treasures in heaven are infinitely more valuable than treasures in earth. The problem is, as I read, someone gave me this book when I was really young as a teenager called Who Changed the Price Tax? Right? It's like for teenage kids, right? The problem is we change the price tags in our own subconscious. We are shaped by the world, which is, you know, sending us messages. You step into the MRT, you listen to the radio, you watch YouTube, you go on the internet, and it's always telling you the treasures on earth is really valuable. The treasures on earth is really valuable. But it's actually switching the price tags because what is really valuable is the treasure in heaven. And Jesus says, set your heart, make it your orientation and your goal to live out the kingdom values because in the end, the reward from your Father in heaven, which is eternal, is worth much more than the treasures on earth. Jesus then goes on and says, your eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, just as the heart is an image of your orientation, your eyes are like an image of what you focus on. As they are like complementary pictures, your heart and your eyes. Right? So Jesus is saying your eyes are like the lamp. And what you focus on, what you, 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 your eyes are drawn to, basically show whether your body is full of light. So if you focus on the things which are kingdom things, uh, the, the, the focus on being merciful, focus on hungering and thirsting for righteousness, focusing on doing what God's will is, then your body will be full of light. Now I never really understood uh, what Jesus is saying here, until really maybe a few weeks ago when I was studying this passage. You know, I always thought, thought you know, when Jesus says, your eyes are like the lamp of your body, it's like you, your eyes are looking out and shedding light outside, right? Because, you know, your eyes are the lamp. But then I read this commentary and it made a really good point. He said, actually, it's, that, that's not the, the image, right? Because if your eyes are the lamp, then you'll be able to see in the dark. But you're not 
Your eyes are not the lamp in, as in shining the light into the world. Your eyes are the lamp which allow light into the body. Can you see what it's saying? Your eyes are the lamp of the body which allows the light of the world to shine into your body. So what you see, what you focus on, what you observe, which, which is important, fills your light, the, body, the light in the body. And if it is good light, your eyes are healthy. It is full of light, spiritual goodness. But if your eyes are always focusing on the worldly things, the things of this world, then Jesus says, actually your eyes, the light that is bringing in is full of darkness, spiritual darkness. Now, I was sitting in the bus the other day, and I was uh, going down Orchard Road. I can't remember what I was there for. But it's very interesting, because you know when you stop at the traffic light, and you see people in the cars, have you ever observed what they look at? So, you know, you observe really interesting things at the traffic lights in Orchard Road, right? So, the men at the traffic light, they'll be looking at the women with the short skirts walking across the pedestrian crossing. Or, uh, they'll be looking at the Lamborghini or the Ferrari around them, right? They never look at the Toyota Corolla. They're always looking at the red Ferraris and the yellow Lamborghinis, right? And the women, what are they looking at? Well, they're not obviously looking at the women, the short skirt walking across. They're looking at like the... The shops in Paragon, you know, the jewelry and the bags and everything else. So in a sense, what you look at is a reflection of what is important to you, what your desire is. And Jesus says that what you focus on should actually be bringing spiritual light into you. You should be looking at the things of the kingdom which are important to you. He then goes on in verse 24 to say, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now this phrase here, master, does not mean employer. Because you know, you can always serve multiple employers, right? I mean, some people have more than one job or you have a part-time job. But the word here, master, really is the idea of a slave master, your Lord, who you're loyal to. So what Jesus is saying is, you cannot have loyalty and devotion to God and at the same time have loyalty and devotion to money. Sooner or later, the rubber hits the road and you have to choose between the loyalties of God and money. There will be a time in which you cannot reconcile the two. You will be forced to, to choose one over the other. And that makes sense of the three images that Jesus has used, right? Your heart, whether it's treasures on heaven, treasures on earth, your eyes, whether you look at light or darkness, the master, whether it's God and money. So, I remember, for me, um, when I was... Uh, first starting out working as an accountant. Uh, in my accounting firm, everybody had to go and study for their further accounting qualifications. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, you can't go to an accounting firm and just sit there and do nothing, right? After a while, they want you to go on and go on to your professional qualification. So we all had to do our part-time study and it was quite hard, right? I mean, I found it quite hard. Maybe I was a mediocre student. And I remember... I started missing out on going to Bible study. 
because I was busy. Yeah. I got lots of study to do. I got exams coming up. Everybody in my office is studying. And after a while or so, I started thinking, hmm, yeah, I know God wants me to have a Sabbath on Sunday, but how do I finish all this work? Right? Maybe I shouldn't have my Sabbath on Sunday. And maybe I should skip church. Because, you know, church, I've got to go to church, I've got to sit in church, I've got to hang around and come back. I need that time to study. Then I remember my pastor talking to me and said, you know, you have a choice to make. You can either choose to start coming to church and get your professional qualification. But what is the point if you become a professional accountant with all your qualifications, but you lose eternal life in the kingdom of heaven? Is that a good exchange? Now I realized that it wasn't, right? Because at the end of the day, the most important priority, the master of my life, the goal of my heart, the focus of my eyes must be the kingdom of heaven. God must be the master. I must follow what God says, even if it means that I can't get my professional qualification. I must keep the Sabbath. I must meet with his people. I must come together to be encouraged by God's word. Who is your master? Right? Will it be God or would it be money? So, as Jesus comes to the end of those three comparisons, he then goes on to verse 25 to say, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about the body, what you will wear. Now, if you look up here, he begins with the phrase, therefore. He begins with the phrase, therefore, because he's summing up all the images that he's already put together. So he's saying, look, if heaven, the treasures in heaven are so important, and if God is your master, and the orientation of your heart and your eyes is the kingdom of heaven, then do not worry, right? Because there are more important things to worry about. It's a bit like, uh, for those of you who don't know, you know, like, last week, Manchester United played against Chelsea. Right? And then this week, I think it's uh, Manchester United City uh, versus Chelsea. And I think last week, there was Manchester City versus Arsenal. Now, if that's irrelevant to you, do you worry about it? No, right? Because unless you're a supporter of one of those clubs or you follow the EPL, who cares what the score was? Who cares who won? Uh, I mean, obviously, if you spoke to my wife, she wouldn't care. Who cares about soccer, right? In the same way, if these things are true, if the treasures in heaven are so important, therefore, do not worry about these things because they are of less importance. Now, we will talk about this as we go along. Jesus is not saying, okay, don't save, don't work, just stay at home all day and play computer games. He's not saying that, right? But he's saying, look, your orientation will determine how worried you are about things. Because if you look at this passage, um, the next slide. Okay, if you look at these passages, you see that worry actually is an obstacle to faith. Right? Just as Martha was worried about cleaning up and doing all these things, it stopped her having fellowship with Jesus. 
In the same way, in another passage later on, when Jesus is going to speak about the parable of the sower, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth has a choking effect on your faith. So don't worry. Don't worry because the treasure in heaven is more important than the treasures on earth. But in verse 25 onwards, Jesus doesn't end there, right? He says, ah, don't worry about it, it's not so important. He goes on to talk about how God cares for you, God loves you, God still provides for you, whether you worry or not. See, whether you focus on the treasures on earth, whether you focus on treasures in heaven, whether you worry or not, God still cares for you and will provide for you. So in verse 25b, he says, Is not life more than food, or the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Of course, the answer is no. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Shall, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So here Jesus gives a whole series of less to more illustrations, right? Right, Less to more illustrations. It's, like, it's a comparative thing. So uh, he goes on to say first up, look, what is more important? Is your body more important, or is clothes more important? Is life more important or food more important? You know, I mean, obviously it's very clear life and body are more important. I mean, when you read about an earthquake in Taiwan, it doesn't say how many clothes were destroyed, right? Uh, How much food in the fridge was lost. It talks about how many lives are lost, how many bodies were found. So in the same way, what this passage is saying is Jesus is saying, look, if God gave you life, if God gave you bodies, if you are his people, Will he not give you the things needed to, con- to keep life going? Food, clothes, shelter. Right? If God has already given you life, if God has already given you bodies, why do you worry about the other things? God has already given you so much. He then goes on to talk about the sparrows and the grass. Right. So in the, um, the Middle East, apparently, during a certain time, all the sparrows from Europe go to Israel. It's full of sparrows. Sparrows are like one of the the least valuable animals you can think of, right? Because you know they don't eat sparrows. We don't eat sparrows. We eat chickens and turkeys and that. I mean, like sparrows, dead sparrows, no one cries about. And what Jesus says is, look, if God feeds these sparrows, then why would He feed you? Are you not more valuable than the sparrows? And obviously, the answer is yes. We are more valuable than sparrows. God will feed us. And he talks about grass, right? So in the Middle East, you have these grasses with flowers. Uh, the next slide. And they spring up like overnight in the desert. Because you know, in, in, in the Middle East, it's very dry. And they sort of spring up when it rains. But then when it stops raining, 
They die really quickly. It's not like Singapore, right? And he says, look, if God cares for these grasses and clothes them with such splendor, when they're here today and gone tomorrow, then will he not clothe you, you who are more valuable than this grass, whom, if you are a kingdom person, live for eternity? And the answer must be yes. If God bothers to close the grass, then why will he not close you, you who are a child of God? So if you look at the this summary, next slide, don't worry, right? Don't worry, why? Because there are more important things to worry about, which is heaven, the kingdom of heaven. But don't worry also because God cares and provides for you. Whether you worry and chase after these things or not, God cares and provides for you. In fact, when you chase and worry after these things, it betrays a lack of faith, a lack of, a lack of understanding of the nature of the God whom you worship. Because God creates the world so we can live in it. God sustains us. Why will He not feed us? Why will He not shelter us and give us clothes. So, you know, someone uh, asked this question before when I was reading in this preaching book, and he says, why do people come to church? Why do we come to church on a Sunday? Do we come to church on Sunday just to sing Christian songs, say a few prayers, uh, eat morning tea? He says, you know, when we come to church on a Sunday, we come to be reminded of the glorious power of God. We come to be reminded of the majesty of God. We come to be reminded of the majesty and glory of heaven. So, if I come to say to you, hey, don't worry about it, right? Don't worry about life. And I just give you a few books, like, uh, can you see these books? Okay, I actually have some of these books, so uh, it's not saying anything about me, right? Okay, but anyway, if I just say, oh, look, I give you seven steps to not worry. I mean, they will be effective, but you can get it at the community center, right? You don't need to come to church, right? But when you come to church, actually what we are to be reminded of is the greatness of God, the care of God, the glory of our eternal destiny. These are the things which stop us from worrying. I mean, I think the seven steps to stop worrying are helpful, but but God, the knowledge of God who cares for us and our eternal destination transcends our worries and makes us rise up above our worries. So Jesus summarizes in verse 31. So, right, do not worry, saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So here we see that actually chapter 6 deals with two problems, right? Two wrong influences in the disciples' life. So last week, Jesus was warning against the dangers of the Pharisees and the teachers' law, the hypocrisy, right? You have been taught, do this, but I say to you, do this. Right? There are these people who pray out in the open, 
They have received their praise from men, but I say to you, pray in secret because God will reward you in secret. But here, in the second half of chapter 6, Jesus warns of another danger. Not the danger of the Pharisee and the teacher of the law, but the danger of the pagan. The pagan runs after the things of this world because he doesn't believe in God or she doesn't believe in God. Their heart is set on the things of this world and their eyes are focused on the things of this world because there is no heaven for them. There is no God for them. They don't know God. The question is, after we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, do we still live like pagans, like people who do not believe in God and people who do not believe in heaven? Are our hearts still focused on the things of this world and on earthly treasure? Are our eyes still focused on it the same way? So imagine if uh, someone were to see you and your non-believing neighbor, could they see a difference in the way that you live, in the focus of your life, in the way that you treat earthly possessions, in your priorities? Because Jesus is warning, right? If, if there's no difference between you and the person who doesn't believe in God in the way that you treat your earthly possessions, then there is something wrong, right? Your heart is in the wrong place. Your eyes are not healthy. Your body, your body is actually full of darkness. Your master is the wrong master. So a few uh, months ago, I was at the, this Bukit Batok um, food center, and uh, I came across this really interesting, uh, like they, don't know why they were having these like booths, right? Entertainment booths. I don't know what they were promoting, and whether it was some sort of carnival thingy, but they had these booths. Uh, next slide, where you go in there and like there's this air machine and they're like there's money floating around in this booth, right? Have you ever seen any one of those? Okay, so anyway, I've seen it, Bukit Bato. I don't know whether there's other places. It's not there anymore. So anyway, these people go in and then there are all these bills floating around. And the idea is when you're in this booth is to try to grab the the money as it's floating around. I think they're only like $2 bills or whatever, right? I mean, they're going to put like 50 bucks or something. So I mean, there are these bills floating around. Not as many as this. I think maybe you're 10 only, right? Floating around. And then, um, okay. The thing is, I was thinking, that's a really wonderful metaphor of how people chase money. Don't you think so? Except they're not on a booth trying to grab it all the time, but in life. Right? Isn't that a really wonderful metaphor of how people are basically living their life? They're just in the world, in this booth, trying to grab as much money as they can all the time. That's what the focus of life is. But Jesus is saying that's not how we live our life as Christians. right? Uh, we don't live our lives as Christians like trying to grab all this money as much as possible. Our focus is on the kingdom of heaven and on God. That is our focus. So in conclusion, uh, you all know that uh, many years ago my mother passed away from... Uh, from ovarian cancer. And I think the doctor gave her like two years to live. Now during the last two years of her life, what was she doing with her time? Right? Was she researching brochures on buying the latest car? Uh, was she, you know, like trying to work out all her stock investments? 
was she trying to, you know, further her career? She wasn't, right? I mean, for the first time, really, she was reading the Bible very regularly. She was very serious about going to church because she knew, I've only got two years left to live. That's all I got. Whatever treasure I got, it's gone in two years. What's really important is in heaven. But if you think about it, we also have a death sentence. Whether it's two years, whether it's 30 years, 50 years, it's all relative. The treasures on earth don't last forever. The only treasure that lasts forever is in heaven. But if you spend all your life chasing after and grabbing after all the money, then you're betraying that you don't understand the value of the treasure in heaven compared to the treasure on earth. So, someone uh, passed me this book recently called uh, Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And uh, I actually gave that book away to someone else after quickly reading it. <laughs> but it was a really interesting book. It's got lots and lots of good illustrations. And it, it was actually a faithful book. It wasn't heretical or anything. But there's one chapter which really caught my eye. And the beginning of the chapter says this, your best life later. Right? Uh, okay, I won't compare it to the Joel Olstein book, which says your best life now, right? But it is a radical view of living, right? Because your best life is later. Your best life is not now, your best life later. And if we recognize what heaven is like, then it is true, isn't it? Your best life later. And that should be the way that we set our heart and our eyes and our values because if we really recognize what heaven is like, then our best life is later. So I hope that as we look at this passage, really each and every one of us will examine our hearts and our eyes and recognize that the only thing worth living for, right, the only thing we should really be focusing on is the treasure in heaven and serving God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And God will give you all these things as well. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, really want to ask you to free us from the influence of this world which 24 hours, 7 days a week incessantly cries out to us how valuable is the treasures of this earth. Dear Father, we pray for ourselves that we would take to heart the words of Jesus which tell us so clearly that what is truly valuable is the eternal treasures in heaven. That the treasures in heaven are what we should be living for. That the kingdom of heaven in this world is something that we should live out in our lives, even though it is painful, it is difficult, it is harsh, there is persecution, opposition, but it is worth it. And dear Father, we pray that we would value the treasures on earth rightly and to see that they are only temporary and that we should not place those in priority over our kingdom values. We pray and ask for your help in these matters and we pray that truly, We will seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, 
confident knowing that you care for us and that you will still provide for us. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.